You're listening to episode 105 of the 200 Churches Podcast. I think having an attitude of experimentation, we're just going to try something new, and it might work, it might not, and if it doesn't work, we're going to stop doing it. I think that can be really freeing for leaders too, especially if they're lay leaders, because then it takes all the pressure off of having to do it week in and week out. And I think it also has a really healthy, healthy attitude to have in the church. People love new things and, and love experimenting. When that's the case, then they feel like they can contribute and, and hey, there's this new exciting thing. You're always doing new exciting things, and I think that can be helpful. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a fresh episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who, like you, serve in the trenches of small church ministry. The Kobe and Shaq of Ministry Podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. I'm Johnny Craig, and I'm here with Shaquille O'Neal. Jeff Cady. That's correct. I like the, the Shaq and Kobe, because when I heard it, I immediately thought, Clearly, I'm Kobe. Oh, no, I don't think so. C- come on. No, no, I'm way more cutting edge than you. Think of Shaq is. You're Shaq, man, because he's he's history. Kobe's still playing. I'm obviously Kobe. That, none of what you're saying makes any sense, Makes man. sense to me and to our listeners. I'm sure. All those guys out there are like, yeah, Johnny's for sure the Guys, Shaq. why do you say guys? Like, we don't have women listening? See, I just say guys, and I mean men and women. Johnny, we I, have to... Guys is a... We is have a, to change our language in this society. I you guess... You have to get up to speed on this kind of stuff. I just... When I, just so just so all of our, uh, our our female listeners out there know, when I say guys, it, that's a men and women term. When I preach, I say guys. We don't say listeners anymore. We say persons. 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 Is listeners a masculine no, term? Hearing that we can't persons. Use? For all of our hearing <laughs> persons. Hey, this is a podcast for everybody. I think we can joke about it's for that. for everyone. Absolutely. Because from the beginning, we have legitimately we, yes. been for women pastors. Yes. Because women pastor. Yeah, you exist. Hey, congratulations. (laughs) We're not going to pretend you're not alive. We we noticed. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we so great? No, we're not. But yes, so if I say guys, I I mean men and women. So just for future reference. Anyways. Anyways. That was an aside. I'm Kobe. That's kind of the point that I was trying to make. Kobe. Thank you. Because you know what? Shaq walked away from Kobe. Oh, my goodness. Right? took Kobe a long time to recover from that. Shaq went on. (laughs) He did great. What's happening right now? What do we got going today, Johnny? We need to get right into it. We got to get right into it? I think we should get right into it. I'm excited about today. I'm excited. I'm legit excited because this is my dude right here. My guy, Sam Proas. And he is uh, talking to us about transitions. Johnny's one friend that I, said he would come on the podcast. I have one friend, and he said, yes, I'll do it. Stop <laughs> sending me letters every day. Oh, no. Eric was your friend. Yeah. No, no, Eric no. Yeah. And friend. we talk about that a little bit with Sam here at the front end. But, you know, Jeff, you and I were talking beforehand, and I, I'm going to out you a little bit. We were talking about transitions, and we were talking about the average age of most of our guests throughout the history of the podcast. Now, we don't disparage anybody young, old, whatever, but we get guests that tend to be older. I can think of the exceptions, you know, people we've had who are on the younger end. Um, But, you know, Sam is in his 20s, and he went through a transition with his church. He's a pastor on staff. He transitioned to another position on the staff. And I, I thought, you know, here's a guy. This is his first church. This is his first ministry. Um... But that's an experience that he's had. 
And just because he's not in his 50s and has had 8,000 transitions in his church or churches, it doesn't mean that there's nothing there that we can't learn. I know that, so for me personally, Sam and I, we talk frequently, I'd I'd say, on Skype, and um, I always learn a great deal from him. He's a serious guy. He, He loves Jesus. He's got a big heart for the church. He's very committed to ministry, and uh, you know, he talks about the size of his church. It's not necessarily a two hundred church, but I know that he has a heart for for ministry and for pastors of churches of all sizes. I got to meet Sam on graduation day up at Bethel when Johnny and I graduated, and Sam was the one friend, the one friend that Johnny wanted to introduce me to <laughs> that I didn't know. And Sam was characterized by a smile and by happiness. And could you guess for any other kind of a friend of Johnny's, right? A smile and happiness to hang out with Johnny. (laughs) Now, Johnny, Sam does bring it. Uh, He gives us some really good lessons. He does. Right? So if you're a young pastor, you can listen to Sam because he's got some really good lessons that will help you to avoid a lot of the pitfalls of leadership when you're younger. If you're an older pastor, you can listen because he talks about how his senior pastor really helped them as a staff navigate through some transitions in their staff and in their church from both the staff perspective as well as the member, the, the people's perspective. Yeah, so we had a great time with Sam. And Sam, I know you're going to listen to this. I appreciate you being on, uh, and I know Jeff does as well. So we hope that you are as blessed as we were by this conversation. Today we got Sam Prowitz on the line with us. Now, Sam, we were joking around before that you're my first like friend on the podcast. We always get Jeff's friends on the podcast, but you're my friend. Yeah, some would call me that. Do you? Oh, no. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. <laughs> now, you don't even like Jeff. I don't know about that. I don't know Jeff. So I- I'm guessing I still like Jeff. So, Sam... We've talked, told you a little bit now about what we do here on the podcast, what the point is. You are, you're a pastor. We met in seminary, which is where Jeff and I met. I met all my best friends in seminary. Um, we met in seminary. You're a pastor. Describe for us a little bit about your church and your role at the church. church that I work at is in Ripon, Wisconsin. Um, it's a 12 or a 13-year-old uh, church plant. That's called Ripon Community Church. So it started off with about a couple hundred people. It's, it's actually grown to about 600 people. Um, five to six hundred people on a weekend. It's in a small town of about seven thousand people. I've been here for about five years, and I started out as a youth intern. Just kind of uh, sent the lead pastor an email saying, "Hey, I'd be interested in helping out with youth since they, since they didn't have a youth pastor at that time." Intern for a couple of summers during college, and then out of college for like six months. That I worked that from nothing to to a full time job, um, and just kind of grew up grew a, a youth group out of the church. Did that for two or three years. At the end of that time, um, started to feel like it was time to do something different. Lead pastor and I started having some conversations about that. Um, just wanted to say I'd, I'd be interested in doing something else if that's at all possible. And not that it has to happen immediately or anytime soon, but, but let's start having that conversation. Over the course of about a year or two, some situations came up where it became possible, where there was space for a discipleship pastor. So doing the small group stuff for the church, as well as doing the seminars or, or, or discipleship curriculum, kind of like a Sunday school sort of sort of thing, what our equivalent of Sunday school would be. So, Sam, so you started as the youth guy? Yeah, I did. Okay, and, and now you're talking about transitioning into a, a discipleship yeah, guess- role. 
Yeah, I went right into like the different roles I've had. I guess. Hope that's all right. Well, and how long were no, you? That's great. Did, how long did you do youth? I did it for three years. Okay. Okay. Well, see, this is good. I'm, I'm Sam. I'm glad you're on because you know we do have a lot of guys that are older, and I know we've got a lot of younger listeners. So yeah. you're, you know, a lot of our listeners are probably going to be right where you're at in terms of. Uh, moving from one staff position to the other. I I actually was in uh, th- four different staff positions within the same church. And oh, wow. I don't know that we really thought about transitions back then. You know, we just did mm-hmm. whatever. So who took over the youth when you transitioned out of youth into this discipleship role? There was a guy who, who had grown up in the church, and then he went off to school. And at the end of school, he decided that maybe he might be interested in, in doing something. So he uh, applied, not necessarily applied, but had the talk with me and with, with um, our lead pastor, Mike. Said, hey, I'm interested in youth. I, I really feel like I have a passion for it. I, I want to maybe get a little experience with it. We literally did a, a full year, I think, of an internship okay. um, for him and, and didn't get paid a lot of money. It was really minimal. Um, he actually turned down a bunch of full-time positions as a Spanish teacher uh, or bilingual teacher to to do the internship. So that was a good heart. You could see that he was a good guy. But we did a full year of him interning. He was just kind of the guy. And and about six months into that, we realized that um, this was possibly going to be the the best time to to transition him into just being the guy and for me to transition out of it. So for that six months, we really ramped up his internship. We thought it was going to be possible, so we wanted to really give it a go before we did anything super official. And he basically led youth group um, for that six months, planned everything, did all of the teaching, did everything. I I maybe was doing a little bit of stuff, but most of it was him. And so the students got really used to seeing him. But but you were still, technically, you were still the youth guy, though. Yes, technically, I was still the youth guy, but I had some thoughts of doing something different for me. So I was also working on that kind of stuff. So I wasn't like just sitting there watching him and not doing anything. Oh, oh of course not, Sam. Of course, you were busy not. laying the groundwork <laughs> for the future. Crazy. I'm, no, I'm listening was, intently really cool. to this story, Jeffrey. This is a very interesting story. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it went really well. Like um, he, he did an awesome job, um, really stepped up to it. All the kids were really liking him. So that was really good. So much so that by the end of it, we made the announcement and the kids were almost like, yeah, duh, we kind of figured it out already, <laughs> but we let them figure it out themselves. Did that make you feel bad that they didn't want to keep you? I guess if I'm like super honest, I was like, oh man, they actually really like him. They don't like me as much, <laughs> it was, but it was all right. It was the good thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was Be- better for them. Better for them. Very yeah. much so, and I was happy with that. So let, let me ask you one more question, Sam. See, I don't, yeah, I don't know you, so I have all these questions, but I like, did you, I like questions. do you miss working with students? Yes and no. Um, I've gotten the chance to go back and speak a couple of times. It's really fun. They're very engaged. All the decisions for them right now are super impactful on, on life. So you can make a huge impact. So I really like that. They're all really fun and, and you get to be more goofy, less, less serious. So I like that. But if I'm really honest, what I'm doing now, I, I enjoy a lot more. Cool. Um, just because I think I, I enjoy what I'm doing now as much as I enjoyed doing youth the first year or two. That's see. I think if that's that a sense. good marker of a good transition, right? Maybe you you found somebody whose passion area and skill area was better fit, 
And so you moved in one direction and he moved in another and the whole church is healthier for it. Yeah. And, and that's really evident now. I was really good at, at drumming up support and excitement. I think one of the things I'm gifted at is, is engaging people in speaking. So it was really fun to, to do that with the students. I think they got a lot of good messages. I think they, there was some excitement around youth group because of that. And it was really fun. I'm not as organized or as good at, at leading people as the guy who's running it now. So those are his his gifts, and he's really good at those things. Um, he's also good at the other stuff too, but but those are what he's really good at. And so he's taken the low spots that I had or the the weak areas and and really ramped those up. And the youth group is much stronger because of it. Sam, I like your your humility, and I thanks. I mean, you know, usually I'm joking around, but I'm serious about this, and I think that us pastors and those of you listening, we can all learn from the fact that we're not good at everything, and that's okay. Right. And to be able to yeah. identify the people who are better than us and then hand off. And like you said, you had a little bit of that feeling that, oh, man, the students really like this guy. You know, yeah, and that's sure. you're, you're being honest. And, and yet you, what you did was for the best for the student ministry and ultimately – for the church by by placing this guy in a strong gift area and then putting yourself in in an area where you're gifted too. So thank you for for being honest like that. Yeah, absolutely. It was. I mean, there's there's some pride things in there too, and it's it's fun, but it's hard sometimes to look at that stuff. But no, it when you see the results and you know that it was the smart decision, it's really good, and that's definitely the case here. Sam, as you went through this transition, what were the challenges? I mean, what sticks out to you as, as those moments where it was it was just maybe harder than you expected, things weren't going as smoothly as you expected? Because I get, I get the sense that a lot of small churches are in, you know, we're always finding ourselves in moments of transition. And so, mm -hmm. you know, that was the word that kind of I sent to you and said, this is what I want you to talk about is transitions. Walk with us through the challenges. What were the things that maybe you didn't see coming that kind of made you stumble along the way? Uh, what, you know, what are those types of things? Hmm. Um, I've been trying to think about this one a little bit. I mean, obviously there were challenges. The one that came up the most, um, and I think this was expected more than anything, is is while it was a really good transition as far as the students were concerned, there definitely were kids that dropped off afterwards. They had a good relationship with me. They were a little skeptical of the new guy. Um, and so they kind of dropped off. I don't know how we could have handled it differently too much so, other than maybe have worked at identifying those students ahead of time a bit more and worked on developing that relationship. The youth group is, is anywhere from 70 to 80 students weekly. I think it went down a little bit and some of those students that I had really good relationships with weren't there anymore. And, and that's that's really heartbreaking when that happens, when you know those kids kind of stepped away. I wish probably two things what it would have done. One is I would have done a better job with a few of the kids that I knew that they were there because of me personally, doing a better job of handing them off to Aaron, the, sure. the next guy. And then two, um, I wish once we had had the transition and had been in place for a few months, we would have communicated better about who those students were. And then I could have made the phone calls and been like, hey, are you all right? Where'd you go off to? We don't want you to fall through the cracks. And I think that would have been really helpful. Because I think when it comes down to ministry, ministry is all about people. If you're missing the boat with um, some people, if people are dropping through the cracks, then I think that's the one thing that we could have definitely done better. So much of what you just said, I think, is about communication. 
And, you know, this is, if there's one thing that Jeff and I have had to learn, and he's looking at me like, Johnny, I've not had to learn. You had to learn. But if I've had to learn something (laughs) about (laughs) about transitions and changes, (laughs) it is the piece about communication. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, if I say it once, I expect you to now be on board and let's all go together. Um, <laughs> ha ha! It doesn't work that way, and I could think even we had a we had what I would consider to be an amazing transition at something at our church, and I felt like we communicated so much more than I would have ever thought necessary. I mean, just communication on communication, mm-hmm. and we got done, and there was uh, one or two people who said, ah, "I really just feel like none of that was communicated with me until until we had already done it." <laughs> And I thought, how is this possible? How, how is that possible? But that's the way it is. You got to just, you got to talk about it and communicate it and cast the vision for it so much yeah. more than you actually think you do. Yeah. If I could piggyback on that a little bit, another thing that I think I learned and I think we did okay pretty well, but it's to be on the same team. We didn't have any like mixed messages. That was really important for the kids. When kids said, hey, I miss you. I'm like, yeah, but I heard Aaron is doing an awesome job. He's doing a great job in all these different ways. And I name off a few of them. And and I'm so glad that he gets to be a youth pastor now. Um, not, oh, I know. I I wish I could be there too. I know I'm really good at it. You got to swallow your pride and be on the same team, I hmm. think. That's a really big deal. I like that and because people are looking to all the leaders. And, and even if you're in a small church, you've got lay leaders and people mm-hmm. are looking to those to those people, men and women, and wondering, hey, what do they think about this? And if yeah. you're looking cross-eyed, you know that it just that's a leadership piece, Sam. I think that's uh, you're right. That's really important. And if you have any cranky people, and they find one person that's going to say a cranky thing, they're going to latch onto it and, mm-hmm. and use it, and that's no fun for anybody involved. So, Sam, you and I have talked. Uh, enough times about your church and your, and your job and your pastor, your senior pastor there, he's, uh, he seems like a, a pretty focused, uh, you know, vision oriented, goal oriented type of person. How mm-hmm. did he, you know, how did he walk with you and Aaron and the greater congregation through this whole process? You know, what was his role? How was he involved? And, you know, what would you point to and say, man, he did that and that made everything a little bit easier. He's really um, good at taking care of, of us, um, his staff and his leaders even. So even every lay leader, he, he very much um, takes care of them. So for Aaron and me we and, and Mike, we had a lot of dis- a decent amount of discussions about it. And we were always tr- trying to make sure we were on the same page. Again, the communication piece saying, this is what our plan is. We're going to try this. No promises, because we have to try it and see if it's what God wants or not. But we're going to try this and see how it works. And if it if it goes well, then then here's what's going to happen from there. And we were the first ones to know what his plans were and what his thoughts were. And we had a lot of input into what those were, because he wanted to make sure that we were going into positions that, that we really wanted to be a part of and were excited about. That was really important to him. Having that communication then, I think that allowed us to then really execute the the preview stuff really well to kind of do an experiment, right? We're always doing experiments and our, our people, the, the congregation is really used to us doing experiments, trying something new. We were trying that out. And and before anything was official, we all were on the same page, agreed about where it was headed, really happy about where it was headed. 
And he was then saying, all right, this is what the next step is going to be. And giving us then the permission to go and do it. And then at that point, once, once we were all on the same page and, and going toward this new transition, these new roles, then uses that as a momentum thing. Hey, everybody, we're really excited because Aaron stepped up and, and said no to a couple of really great teaching opportunities to do this and gave up all this stuff to try out youth ministry. And he's doing an awesome job. We're going we're gonna to give him this role at the church. You should be excited for him because he's going to do a great job. Your kids should go to youth group because of that. And you've seen Sam for years now, and, and you've seen him grow, and, and it's been really fun. And now he's going to have these other roles, and we think he's going to do an awesome job. Um, you guys should be excited about it too, because just wait till you see what happens and, and what we do next. I think he was really a good cheerleader. He's really good at making sure that things have a positive spin to it. I know that sounds bad, but I think you can look at it two ways, but I think that's been really helpful. He's good at letting the things that can be exciting create momentum, and then letting people get excited about what God's doing through them. See, you, you, I, I know you recoiled at your own use of the word spin. On the other yeah. hand, it's kind of an attitude that you take toward oh, leadership, sure. right? So yeah, yeah, you can take a negative or a skeptical attitude toward your own leadership, or you could just have a positive attitude. And, and, you know, I think the word spin, obviously it's come from our media. I think it's been mischaracterized for us, uh, I just yeah. think it's having you're having a positive attitude. You're looking at the good while while minimizing the bad, and I, agree. I, I think that's what you just you have to do in life. So, I like mm-hmm. what I like what you said that your senior pastor said. Now, just give me if you can give me an example of what if he would have done any one of those things differently. So, pick one of those things and imagine him going in the other direction on it. How would it have affected? your transition from one role in the church to another? Yeah, I think the one that that, um, jumps out is if he had told the church what was happening before we did any of the preview work and just said, hey, this is our plan, before we knew if it was going to work, suddenly everything had a ton more, would have had a ton more expectations on it. Everybody would have been asking the questions, oh, this is what's going to happen before we would have been really comfortable in our own skin. And we would have probably second-guessed ourselves a lot more. More pressure on you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I feel like he he did a really good job allowing us to do the experiments and have some fun with it without all the pressure. And that made it a lot easier to do well. So Sam, And then once you're doing it well, then it's easy to say, hey, this is awesome. Look how look how well we're doing with this. Sam, imagine yourself now as a small church pastor. Is there is Mm -hmm. there any is there any carryover? I mean, can you apply these principles to a pastor of a church of 80 people? that maybe mm-hmm. they only have three or four major ministry leaders in, in their yeah. church. Obviously, if you're a church of 80 people and you have um, those few lay leaders that are t- having significant roles to play in that, in that church, um, they're still going to be doing things that within the church that everybody's going to be looking to. I think having an attitude of experimentation, we're just going to try something new, and it might work, it might not. And if it doesn't work, we're going to stop doing it. I think that can be really freeing for leaders too. 
especially if they're lay leaders, because then it takes all the pressure off of having to do it week in and week out. And I think it also has a really healthy, healthy attitude to have in the church. People love new things and, and love experimenting. When that's the case, then they feel like they can contribute and, and hey, there's this new exciting thing. You're always doing new exciting things, then I think that can be helpful. It also takes the pressure off for lay leaders to feel like this is going to go on and on into eternity and I, I can never stop serving in this way. And I'm going to be exhausted because of that. You can maybe do more season type things with, with your leaders that way. And hey, let's try this for a season. And if it works, maybe this is the next step. Maybe it grows our church enough that, that you can have a little bit more significant of a role or, or whatever that might look like. Sam, I think uh, you know one of the things that struck me when you were talking was that your pastor was a cheerleader, right? For you as the leaders, but also for the whole experiment. How important is it f- to be positive about you know, your church and your body and your team when you're going through a transition. We, we joke around here, but um, we spend hours on the offering comment. And that sounds really goofy, but what you say about the offering really matters. And it's like a, a one sentence thing. And how you talk about it is really important. Those asides are so incredibly hard to do well that I think sometimes we spend more time on that stuff um, than you'd ever imagine possible. Just because those comments, I see you once a week and they hear that aside, they all of a sudden, maybe even without thinking it, have an opinion about it. And it can be either a good one or a bad one. And, and those comments are, are super important, I think. Um, I think you can do a lot of really cool things with that, um, even like with prayer. Um, and you just pray about it, like having comments that make that a normal thing to do. And in a church like us, where we don't have a lot of super churched people, it's really important to add those kinds of things in there to make it more normal. Um, you can normalize them things that way. And that's a good thing. But then as far as the positive aspect of things, man, you can either be a church full of full of cranky people, or you can be a church full of nice, excited, fun people. And I think you set the tone in a lot of the, those ways. Um, we've had it easy because it's a church plant and it's been 12 years old. And so they've done that. That's been the, the attitude since the beginning. If you're starting, if you're walking into a church that, that you've inherited, um, I think that's got to be a whole lot tougher of a thing to to work with. You're dealing with a lot of other problems. I mean, it's been really, really big deal for us. I mean, people that come here always comment on how nice people are and how positive people are. And I think that starts with you. And I think it's created a, it's a culture that's been created. You know what I mean? Yes. And Sam, you were, you were in youth ministry, you transitioned to discipleship. Is that where yeah. you're at, where you're at currently, or have you transitioned yet again? Um, no, but I'll add something to it. So I do discipleship, but I also lead a Saturday night service. Our church has been has been growing pretty significantly at a very steady rate. So we've never had like any big, crazy increases. It's just been always at a pretty steady rate for the past twelve years. We're now getting to the point where three services on a Sunday morning isn't enough. So we're trying out a Saturday night service, and I'm leading that. So I'm speaking three out of four. Um, Saturdays a month. And then one of those a month, I'll also speak on Sunday mornings, basically organizing and, and running the Saturday night service, making sure all the volunteers are there, making sure that it's going to run smoothly, basically. Um, so that's a, and that's been given to me for a few reasons. One is um, it's just so that people don't get burned out. So um, our lead pastor doesn't have to speak four times a weekend and mm-hmm. lose a Saturday night. Um, so that's really great. But he's also giving me an incredible opportunity to to learn a whole lot about church planting, about church leadership that I never would have gotten to 
to have if I, I just sat and did discipleship stuff and didn't have a significant role to play in, in actually being a service. So it's, it's been invaluable so far. That's been happening since April. So we're starting to get close to our, our full year. I've learned a bunch and messed up a bunch and <laughs> going to keep on doing both of those things, I think. But that's, that's my whole role then. So discipleship and then Saturday nights. Okay. One quick question. In your most attended service, how many people do you have? Our church can hold up to about 180. So we have about like 160, 170 we've had in a service before. Okay. And you said you're running about 500? Um, yeah, five to 600 people. Yeah. Okay. See, now there's a lesson for us pastors. A church can only hold 180, but you've got five to 600 people because you're using it wisely. The plan right now is in three years, we'll have the building paid off. We bought an old building. Um, so we're super high staff. Staff is what we spend a lot of our money on and then missions and that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. The thing we're saying is our lead pastor was at a church before he planted that grew really fast, built a big building, and then had a lot of debt. And we're trying to do the opposite sort of thing. If we ever move from this building, it'll be because all the people in the building are saying we have to. Gotcha. Um, we know you got to run. You're a busy man. You have Thank you. you have all the things to do. But Sam, we really appreciate you being on and talking about transitions with us. Yeah, I look forward to our future Skype calls, not on the record as well. <laughs> That sounds really good. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, Sam. That was a good conversation with Sam and Johnny. Earlier you talked about, you know, ages of people and whether or not we could learn from somebody younger. Yeah. I mean, even though on the podcast you're just like speaker candy to me, Sam really did bring us some great (laughs) lessons. Great lessons. Yes. I... I'm just here to fill in some some blank space so that you don't struggle for your words all the time. Well, when I start struggling, I just stop and I go into that blank stare, and then you know to pick it up from there. <laughs> that's exactly right. Deer in the headlights. That's why we don't have a video podcast. Ex- that's why we don't. It wouldn't. It just wouldn't make any sense. No, it'd be very confusing for people. Well, with the editing software I have, nobody ever knows when I just totally go blank. That's right. That's right. So, Jeff. Uh, I think Sam brought out three kind of key points here. Who's Sam? Oh, oh yeah, no, 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 Sam, I got you, I got you. Yeah, wake up, Jeff. Uh, so Sam, I think brought out three key points. Uh, what what stuck out to you? I like what Sam said about being a cheerleader. From the senior pastor's perspective, he was the one that was making sure early on that the staff could do what they needed to do without it being public. He was kind of cheerleading the staff individually and privately, letting them know, hey, you guys can do this. And then later on, he got up and kind of was the cheerleader to the church, saying, this is the transition that we're going to make. These are the changes we're making. Right. So there does have to be there does have to be a legitimate and appropriate cheerleading, not 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 a bunch of uh, fake, phony, plastic, you know, platitudes that where you're talking about stuff that isn't even really happening. Right. But just actually, you know, calling people out as being successful and as as serving with their heart and doing what's right and trying and all that stuff and and just cheerleading both the staff privately and then and you can do this with your volunteers as well. I mean, we've got a uh, it's called encouragement. You know, it's called complimenting <laughs> yeah. people and just cheerleading them yeah. and then and then presenting them in a really good light to the congregation. That kind of goes along with the things that we say publicly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a turn of phrase could really turn people off. Right. And the right turn of phrase could really help people understand the reality of what's going on. And then in terms of communication, what Sam said about everybody in leadership saying the same thing. I think that that is really crucial. So, right. you know, when he said, hey, I'm, I'm so glad that this this new guy is your youth pastor. He's doing such a great job. 
That is so true, and that and that goes to when you're working with your leadership team, a great understanding to have with your leadership team, whether it's three people or thirteen people, whether they're they have positions on a board or they're just a they're just a, a ministry team of people. That when you make decisions on the team, you make those decisions, and then when you leave the meeting, everybody supports those decisions. Right. That's not dishonesty. That's not lying. That's maturity. And that's leadership. That's understanding that, hey, this is the decision we made. Right. And whether or not I'm thrilled with it, this is the decision. And and God works in us as a community of leaders and as a community of believers. And, and I'm going to go out and be supportive of that. And I am not going to let uh, a ray of light shine through the crack in the door that says, <laughs> hey, I don't, I, you know, I have said right, yes, right. but I didn't really believe it. That's that's kitty stuff. Yeah, that's kitty stuff. So as you work with your volunteers, just kind of remind them of that, that when we all make a decision and pastor, here's the best way to teach people that is lead the way you lead the way that when things don't go your way, you stand up publicly and you support the direction that God is moving the group. Right. And and you can encourage your church in that way. Johnny, what? What things jumped out at you from Sam's talk? We talked about communication in two senses, what you just talked about, and then also just the sense of if you are going to make a change or a transition, it you need to communicate that over and over and over. You, you, you have the vision, and now it's your responsibility to express that vision and package that vision and repackage that vision and, you know, send that vision far and wide to the edges of the earth. Yeah. You know, so that everybody knows what's happening and why it's happening. The what and the why. And just the what is not enough. It's not enough. Uh, You need people to understand what's happening, but more importantly, why is it happening? What is happening in the life of your church that's causing this transition? Why are you doing what you're doing? So when you think you've communicated enough, uh, go ahead and double that. And you know, too, what I think is that for younger leaders— it's easy for them to say, we just got to get going. Let's just get moving. Oh, yeah. But for older leaders, it's easy for them to say, oh, the people know me. They trust me. They trust me. I, I don't have to like. I don't have to explain all this. Either way, you're in trouble. Either way, it yeah. goes both ways, so you're right. Absolutely. And then I think the other thing that he, he brought out, and he talked about at his church, this ne- not necessarily wasn't you know prescriptive from what he said, but he talked about how his church is a church that experiments. Like, hey, you know, we try new things here. You know, hey, we're going to give this a shot for a couple months, see how it goes, trial run this, trial run that. How great would that be if you could have a church that was willing to experiment, mm-hmm. that was willing to say, hey, we're, let's do this. Let's let's give this thing a shot, and if it doesn't pan out, that's okay. Like, better to know that than never to try, and better to not keep on going with something that's silly. But be a church that's willing to experiment a little, willing to try new things, and not get married to it. I think that sometimes we feel like if we make uh, any sort of change or transition or any sort of move in a different direction, then whatever we did before, we were doing that for 25 years, so this new thing better be worth 25 years too. 
Just yeah. like that's crazy. The last thing might not have actually been worth twenty five years. <laughs> yeah, you just we did, did it. it anyway. So you know, be a church that experiments, that's willing to take some chances, and that's going to take tons of communication and just to create that type of environment. But make you know, make that something that you work towards, so that you can have fresh ideas come in and not just immediately get squelched because well, oh, you know, we have to do it the way we've always done it. No, like just create an environment where you're willing to try some new things once in a while and be willing to say, hey, didn't work out. We'll do something different next time. And as a pastor, I can begin that by when somebody comes to me and says, hey, pastor, how about if we do this? And I think it's kind of a corny idea, but I say, hey, okay, you know what? Maybe develop this a little bit and then let's experiment with it, right? And so I'm, I'm willing to take a step out, to go out on a limb a little bit, to let somebody else try something that they want to try. So you do create that culture of experimenting. Yeah. So we hope that in this talk with Sam uh, and in this podcast, if you're going through a transition in your church, you've just heard some things that just maybe jog some things in your mind and, and just help you go through this process. And maybe you heard some things that will cause you to change something that you're doing and maybe just make you a a little bit better of a leader in the process that you're going through. So, Johnny, we've got invites out to new guests for this year, yeah, and we're pretty excited about the year and the different things we're going to be able to do. So we want to thank you for listening to the 200 Churches podcast, and we hope to see you again next Wednesday. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and receive the guy's free PDF download called Our 7 Favorite ministry resources. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with another brand new shiny episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church.